right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to This Week in Mormons, the Sisters Edition, with your hosts, Arianne Smith and Tiffany Hales. Here we are back again for the month of September. We are, as always, very happy to be here. Yes. Happy to be here. Uh, Happy-ish to have kids in school. Yes. (laughs) But we're not going to talk about that. No mother in America wants to discuss that right now. No, no, it's still just weird. Yes, <laughs> as 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 we all adjust. You know, I was talking with one of my son's teachers, and and uh, she said, you know, if you have the ability to be flexible and go with the flow, COVID has not been life changing for you. If you are a Type A personality that always has to know everything and have a plan, COVID probably has not been emotionally or mentally kind <laughs> to you. That is a very astute observation. That's what I thought. And fortunately, she has the ability to uh, to go with the flow, and she's quite flexible. And so she's she's uh, uh, this is a teacher that he has every year, and uh, so it's a delight to to work okay. with her. So, so she's cool with her new online teaching gig. She's cool with her new online <laughs> teaching gig. And uh, anyway. I did successfully get my daughter home from a mission. That's right. So last time we podcasted, she was less than, I believe, 48 mm-hmm. hours away from coming home. Now she has re-entered society. She has re-entered society. She has a job. She is thriving. She does. She, you know, she's very, very fortunate that um, I, I there's an attorney in our ward and his law firm happened to have a position as a runner and they offered that to her. And so within less than a week of getting home, she uh, was working full time and having an adult type job. Mm -hmm. And so it's, but that's been really good for her because I just think it's so important when they get home from their mission, they have, they are so used to that structure on their mission that they need something to jump into, whether it's a job, whether it's school, something that is just structured. They don't so want they to be sitting around exactly, yeah. so that they don't flounder and that and that they have they have some mm-hmm. purpose. But yeah. yes, she is reintegrating nicely, and it's just been so fun to have her back in the house. And mm-hmm. you know, I know she's you know she's not going to stay there forever, obviously. But uh, I'm trying to enjoy the season while it lasts of her yes. being in our house and getting to have. A little bit of time with her. Very good. Very good. Well, we had our very first in-person Relief Society activity a couple of weeks ago since all this started. Okay. So what did you do? And you know, that's my calling. And now I'm actually second counselor in Relief Society, also over activities. So it's still my calling. (laughs) Now you're you're just in charge of the whole thing. It's the calling. I can't get rid of (laughs) But it's a good calling. I like that calling. Well, so, that's because you're such a good activity planner. <laughs> if you would plan lousy activities, you could you could jettison that calling. So yeah, so it was really interesting. Our ward has been just like super cautious. Um, really haven't done like youth activities have been few and far between because there have been so many regulations and of things you can't do. And then, you know, we went back to church in person for the first time in August, one week in August. And once we did that, I don't know if, um, I think, uh, honestly, I think our bishop maybe just hit a spot of like, we're going to have to live with this. Yeah. We got to find a way. Yeah. Because we wanted to do this activity, but we were like, can we do you care? Can we do it? We thought for sure we'd get shut down. Yeah. And he said, go for it. 
Wow. And I was okay. like, okay, Bishop has turned a corner on this. You know what? I'm, so. I'm wondering if a lot of leadership is. We had a... We had a stake fireside that they mm-hmm. did via via satellite broadcast to everybody in the stake. They had a few people uh, that they allowed at the stake center. And one of the last parting words that our stake president gave to us is he said, you know, if you're sitting around waiting for things to return to normal, mm-hmm. you better quit sitting around because it's not going to happen. So right. you need to figure it out and adapt and right. move. Yeah. And so I wonder if, if a lot of leaders are realizing that and they're like, okay, yeah. We're, we can't just sit and wait. We've got to be proactive and now. And be creative about and be it. Creative. So that may be what's happening. So we had an activity at the church building. It wasn't even outside. It was inside. Okay. Because it was like 100 degrees outside. And again, we were like, Bishop, is it okay? We want to do it inside. And he said, yes, just do what you need to do. So we spaced everybody apart. Everybody wore masks. So were you in the gym? We were in the gym. We had a big circle of chairs. Every chair was at least six feet apart. Everybody wore a mask. Um, We were like, what can we do where we don't interact? So we played the game um, Never Have I Ever. Oh, that's a good one. Went around the circle. And then, you know, we all got to know these Mm -hmm. things about each other. And then we also... um, our Release Society president made a cute little slideshow video of pictures of what everybody had been doing during their COVID oh. time. And so we played the video and we had little boxes of movie theater candy and said, you know, this is probably the closest you're going to get to seeing a movie. So <laughs> here's your box of candy, which is a very contained refreshment that nobody's like exactly baked exactly. Or and- so did she just have people? Did she just solicit p- yeah, pictures from yeah, people? Yeah, she just had people send. She said, send in two pictures of what you've been doing during. Uh-huh. COVID season uh-huh. since March, and she put them all together in a little slideshow. It was really cute, Aww. and it was really fun to see everybody's pictures. I mean, there were pictures of places people had traveled, mostly in the mountains, yeah, <laughs> and pictures of people's like home yeah. projects that they yeah. had done, pictures of grandbabies that were yeah. born, and kids that got married, and mission missionaries fun activity so it was good it was very there were very few people i think there were about 17 people okay which is less than we normally get but we Uh had it you know we expected yeah actually we really didn't know what to expect we thought this is either going to be really small or everybody's going to be like we want to see people and we'll have like double yeah (laughs) so it was pretty small and so i think our plan moving forward is we're going to try something again next month at the building, a kind of a craft type okay. project. But we also want to next time, like live stream it on Zoom, oh, okay. so that people that want to do it from home can do it from home, and people that want to come in person can do it in person. Because we want to be sure not to leave anybody exactly. out, because exactly. we, we know there are vulnerable people yeah. that need to be home and don't feel comfortable coming out. So. Yeah. I think that's going to be our future plan for now. So, well, that's great. But it sure was good to get together. It just felt so Aww. nice. Even if we were, you know, kind of apart and kind of muffled talking through our masks, it just felt good to see well, people. I so. am on the Relief Society Activities Committee, although I'm not in charge of it. Mm-hmm. But perhaps I could put a bug in the ear of somebody and see if maybe we can do something similar. 
mm-hmm. in my ward. That would be fun. So, yeah. all right. Well, do you think we should do some stories? Yeah, let's get to the news. Let's get to the news. So the first one we want to start off with is the dedication of the Orem Temple. Or groundbreaking. Or groundbreaking, excuse me. Right. Yes. Dedication of the ground. Groundbreaking. <laughs> That's right. Dedication <laughs> of the dirt. <laughs> dedication of the dirt. The temple's a little far off. So, as you know, they announced the Orem Temple, what, a year ago? A year I don't know. Honestly, I had completely forgotten about this temple until I read this article. I was like, oh, yeah, they're building a temple in Orem. I, think, I want to say it was last October that maybe they, yeah. in last October's conference. Anyway, so the location of the temple is between I-15 and Geneva Road. For those of you who are familiar with Utah County, um, you will be able to see it from I-15, the major interstate that runs mm-hmm through Utah, and you will also be able to um, access it off of Geneva Road, which in the last few years has become quite popular and and quite a busy stretch due to a lot of development. So um, one of the things that I thought was really interesting about the groundbreaking was usually they send a member of the 12, it seems like, to the right. groundbreaking, especially in heavily populated areas where there are lots of members of the church. And in Utah, it's easy for them to get to. Well, exactly. It's not like they're traveling around. Anyway, I remember when we did the groundbreaking for the Meridian Temple, Elder Bednar came up Mm -hmm. here. and And it just seems like, you know, usually they do that. They did not do that this time. The groundbreaking ceremony, the person in charge of it, was none other than Elder Craig C. Christensen, who is the president of the Utah area. And as you know, because I've talked about him frequently, he's always been on my short list for apostleship at some point in time. Your former neighbor, right? Because he was my former mm-hmm. neighbor. And, and as, as I've said before, you think he's amazing? Wait till you meet his wife. <laughs> so anyway, but I, I, I do really like him. And it's kind of interesting because he, in a former life, owned a car dealership. And his car dealership that he owned was down there in Orem and not very far from where they're dedicating this temple. Hmm. Anyway, or going to build the temple. And so I'll just read you a couple of quotes of what he said. He said, in recent months, we've experienced what the scriptures refer to as an overflowing scourge for a desolating sickness that shall cover the land. Today is the perfect time for all of us to look to the future with hope and gladness as we prepare to worship and serve and receive ordinances in the new Orem, Utah temple. Um, again, because of COVID, this was a very limited activity. They only had about 20 people. Uh, there were about, there were about a dozen people who were invited. And then there were about 20 people who watched from a balcony and over white fences in the apartment complex that's next to the temple site. <sighs> um, anyway, and I guess if, you know, you were on front runner or driving down the interstate, you might have been able to catch a glimpse. Right. Um, because it is so close to the interstate, Elder Christian did talk about that and he said um, this uh, uh, he said this temple will be a reminder he said this structure will be defining and I think it's amazing to have it in this location he says it's going to be so soundproof you're not even going to know those cars are <laughs> zipping by um, they expect it to be completed in um, 22 to 24 months it is a rather large building it's 70,000 square feet so mm. that's that is definitely not a small um, 
temple by any stretch of the imagination. And they had some dignitaries there. They had the president of Utah Valley University there because the temple location is kind of kitty corner from UVU. They had the Orem mayor. Um, oh, and then they also had Governor Herbert because he's an Orem native and still owns a house there in Orem. And um, so so he was there. And then uh, these are kind of the closing words from Elder Christensen. He said, we invite all of you to commit with us to unitedly turn our hearts to Heavenly Father and to his son, Jesus Christ, in gratitude, in preparing to be worthy to enter this wonderful temple. So, Okay, okay so do we think... They are not sending a member of the 12 because of COVID and being extra cautious. Is that like, I don't know. I never, here? I never, I never thought about that because I mean, I think Craig Christensen, he's, he's definitely less than 70, mm-hmm. you know, he's a, he's, he's younger on the scale of, mm-hmm. right. of them. Um, but yeah, that's a good question. I wonder, I don't know. I wonder if they're being super cautious. I don't know. <laughs> Because I know they're out and about. I saw an interesting post this week um, from Elder Oopdorf, and he was talking about how he and Ariad have been traveling around to some of the different sites in Utah, and I can't remember where they were at, if they were at a, an Indian reservation or where they were at mm-hmm. that they had stopped to, to to take a picture. And he was just talking about, you know, enjoying some of the, the things of Utah that he's never really had an opportunity to enjoy because oh. he's always flying on an airplane. Good for him. He's going to go see those red rocks. Huh? That's right. <laughs> That's great. Okay. In other temple news, um, LDS Living has posted some new updates on their website full of temple pictures of the Salt Lake City Temple recommendation. Now, they did this. Or did not the recommendation, Salt Lake City. Reno- renovation. renovation. Did I say recommendation? Yes. Oh <laughs> it's late. So they have periodically done this since they started the renovation. And we talked about it once a we have, couple months ago. Because the pictures are fascinating. But they put up a new batch just yes. This- this month and it's really interesting these pictures are just really fun to look at so go check it out this new batch yeah. it really shows up close the foundation what they're doing to the foundation exactly because you building. can see the original foundation of the temple and just darren and i my husband were talking just to uh-huh. think about them hauling that stone out of the yeah. canyons horse and buggy to lay that foundation for the temple. Putting it down in the ground. Oh, it's just mind-blowing. Yeah. The other thing that was really interesting to me, kind of shocking, because the last time I looked at the pictures, most of the vegetation was still there. Mm -hmm. And now, like, all gone. It's it's dirt. Like, all the the big trees that they pulled out, it's just empty. And then the temple. Yeah. So... um, It's just really weird to see Temple Square so torn up like that. I know. But... Very interesting pictures if you want to go check them out. Okay. All right. Uh, Next story we have. This is actually a Daily Universe story, the BYU Daily Universe paper. We don't don't get much out of them. No, I don't think we've seen much from them lately, or they just haven't been on our radar. But this one is, um, they did another follow-up story to the ongoing controversy at BYU about removing the names from the buildings. Yes. Which has been an ongoing thing amidst all of the racial distress in our country. Yes. There are some people who have urged for the removal of the names, uh, because, um, people that these name people buildings were named after, 
uh, had either said controversial things or in the case of Abraham Smoot had actually had a slave. Owned slaves, yes. So there are a few, they're looking at like Reuben J. Clark, um, Ezra Taft Benson, uh, who I guess at one point in time said the civil rights movement was a communist plot. And then, of course, yeah. Abraham Smoot. So there are a few controversial <laughs> well, or ones. Or even renaming the whole university itself. Oh, right. Because there, there's, there's some, also Brigham Young. There's, yeah. some, there's some anti-Brighams out there. So I know that um, Jeff has talked about this extensively on the podcast before. But this article was very interesting because the Daily Universe reporter that wrote this article, um, her name is Karina Andrew, she actually contacted the relatives of some of these named buildings exactly because and she say, wanted to get their thoughts and how do you feel about this so the relatives of abraham smoot at least the ones she talked to um uh there's a family organization uh and they said they were saying that they think it's unfair to put this blanket label on everyone who ever owned a slave and to erase their other memories from history. Uh, they talked about all of the good things he did during his life, um, that he was continually reaching the poor and uh, serving others and a huge financial sacrifice yeah. that he made to help Brigham Young survive the university. Exactly. Survive. And so then they also make the case that like, yeah, he owned slaves, but from what they understand in their history is that he treated them nicely. <laughs> so they're trying they were more trying like to, members of the family. They're kind of trying to justify this. And and the um the reporter that wrote the article said mm, that may not necessarily be documented. That might be family for- folklore. <laughs> True. There may not be evidence of that. Anyway, either way, the Smoot family is opposed to this. Um and then this was interesting. Um They also interviewed a descendant of Brigham Young. Her name is Lessa Young. She is the third great-granddaughter of Brigham Young. And, you know, I don't know if she's speaking for the whole family or just for herself. I guess it's just for herself. He's got a lot of wives. That, he's got true. a big family. I'm sure there are many divisions of feelings in his family. That's <laughs> so, probably accurate. But she said, at least for herself, uh, she said that him being a product of his time is not a sufficient excuse for racist words or actions because there are always people in those times who oppose injustice. There were abolitionists at that time, and there were people in the church who were advocating for equal rights of black people at that time. So she says uh, she has absolutely no problem with his name being removed. And she said um, it, like, to her doesn't mean anything. Like, she doesn't have necessarily a tie to it. But she also says that, um, you know, oh, the other person that they quoted in this article, this was really interesting. This is Nicole Bordeaux. Bordeaux? I'm probably butchering that name. I think it's Bordeaux. Bordeaux, um, who is a descendant of Green Flake, who was an enslaved black person in the church in the early days. And she, they got, wanted to get her take on this. She's the descendant of a slave who was in the church. And she said that um, she feels it would be, although, you know, removing the names of the buildings is 
you know, a good step, she feels like a more important step would be changing the way we educate. Now, that's a position I can get on board with. Right. The whole removing the name thing just kind of ticks me off, to say the least, mm -hmm. because, you know, I think each of us, if we were to look at thoughts and ideas and maybe beliefs that we had, uh, stupid mistakes that we've done, none of us are without fault. And, you know, Oprah has this saying, when you know better, you do better. Right. And I think that that's really true. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I just, I just hate the judging of what happened 160 years ago, 150 years ago by today's standards, because we know so much more today than, you know, what, what they did then. Right. And, and you've got these these men who, you know, yeah, by today's standard, these viewpoints are awful, you know, but had, you know, in today's view, in today's world, would they still hold that same viewpoint? Probably not, you know, maybe they might have evolved and come around. And so why are we going to wipe out this whole legacy of all of the good stuff that they've done for, for something, for, for something that... That, that, you know, mm -hmm. is, is not good for one small bad thing. But I really do like her idea about saying, Hey, but what one thing we can do is educate right. more because she has an interesting quote in there. She says, you know, I explain to people that I'm a product of Utah pioneers and they look at me like I'm crazy right. because she's this black woman. She says growing up, you know, yeah. in elementary school when they learned about yeah. Utah history, that was not a part exactly. of Utah history. So people were like, no, you didn't come from pioneers. Exactly. And, and so then, I like the idea of the education mm -hmm. and incorporating more of that in to realize, you know, the the individuals who settled Utah were a very diverse group. It wasn't just a bunch of white men. And so I, I, I do like the idea yeah. of promoting further education to help people understand the role that different groups played in settling Utah. Right. So she says this, Nicole Bordeaux also says that she worries that uh, renaming the buildings is like a trendy thing to do yeah. and that then it'll stop. Right. Yeah. Because then we'll feel good about ourselves. Yeah. And so she would much rather see the time, energy, and money placed into bettering our education yes. on black history and racism and all those things. So. Well, and I have to tell you, uh, Jeff linked that article on our Facebook page. Mm -hmm. That article generated a lot of comments on our Facebook page. And most of those comments were like, rename the buildings. Oh, really? I was kind of surprised by the number and the type of comments that that generated on our Facebook page because I'm not in favor of renaming the buildings. I'm in favor of education and teaching and learning mm -hmm. and growing, but not renaming the buildings. I don't think you 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 wipe out all of the good. You don't throw the baby out with the bathwater is what I'm saying. All right. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens with this. Yes. It's an ongoing debate on campus. So I don't think the buildings are going to get renamed. I'm going to put my, I'm going to, I'm going to put my, uh, my money on the buildings will stay their, their names. But another interesting thing the article pointed out was that apparently they no longer name buildings after people anymore, that it is their current policy right. now that when they, create a new building. It doesn't get named after right. anybody. So smart. Also, let's not do any more statues of people. Yeah. That would also be a wise idea. That would forward. be a wise idea too. No more statues. <laughs> okay.
All right. So our next one, which is also education adjacent, is the Pathways program. And I'm sure many of our listeners are familiar with the Pathways program. It's run through BYU-Idaho, and it's it's actually called Pathways Connect, and um and it is, and they've expanded it worldwide. And it is an online program that, um, especially if you've never been to college or, um, you know, don't know immediately if you want to go to college, it's a great way to kind of start out and kind of ease in. And what they're finding is, you know, they had this whole program in place before COVID. It has just greatly expanded since COVID and they are really opening it up to missionaries and especially missionaries, um, outside of the United States of America that would not have the educational opportunities that have happened here in America or that, you know, we have here in America. And what they are doing is if you are a missionary, you get an automatic 25% tuition discount or scholarship for any returned missionary who enrolls in the program. And this is how they know if you're a returned missionary. They go by your church records. And so mm-hmm. if your church records show that you, um, uh, in the last five years, that you have a start date for a mission in the last five years, you get that automatic mm-hmm. 25% discount on tuition. And it's already very, very economical mm-hmm. in terms of right. credits. My oldest son, Scott, started out in the Pathway program and then now has gone completely through BYU-Idaho online and gotten his degree starting out with the Pathway program. And it's been a really good program for him. And also, you know, he didn't incur a ton of student loan debt because the credit hours, you know, compared Mm -hmm. to traditional college are so much less. And so um, they estimate that... um, that by the time the current cohort of missionaries have been home for five years, nearly a quarter of them will have enrolled in Pathways Connect. Wow, that's amazing. That's really cool about the discount. Is I know. it new? Because it almost made it sound like it's been it, going on it for is. a while. It, it started in April of oh, this just year. just in April. Just in okay. April. And um, for those of you who aren't familiar with the program, so you spend the first three semesters kind of just doing some life skills. Mm-hmm. Um, they t- The first semester, they teach you things like budgeting and goal setting, which is a natural continuation of things they learn on their mission. Mm-hmm. The second semester teaches professional skills such as resume building, career outlook, presentation skills. And the third and final semester aims to prepare students to pursue to and reach their long-term university and degree goals. Mm -hmm. So they're really kind of easing them into this college But they're also getting credits, right? Yes, they are also getting credits for those Mm -hmm. through BYU-Idaho. And then BYU-Idaho has significantly expanded their online degree programs. Mm -hmm. And then you can pick an online degree if you want to keep doing that. So um, uh, it's it's just an amazing program. I yeah. cannot say enough good about it. I think it's a very inspired, a good way to um, help people get education that might not otherwise right. be able to have that opportunity to have education. And as we know, you know, if you get education or work skills, you know, those always are very, you know, mm-hmm. transferable to generally having a little bit better life. Right. <laughs> it was so interesting how they have really shifted focus um, 
given a lot more attention to what happens after the mission. Exactly. Over the past, I don't know, what, 10, 15 years? Yeah. They've you know really what I think started to shift. And I really think they've really emphasized it in the mm-hmm. last two or three. Because you're talking about the plan your missionary had yes. to fill out before you even come home. You fill out a plan. You fill out a plan. What's your plan when you get home? Exactly. And that is totally new. That's very new. And so helpful. Exactly. Exactly. Because you just don't, I mean, it's for any of you who've either been on a mission or had a missionary come home, you know, they're kind of weird for the first couple of weeks. <laughs> it's, it's a big transition. Yeah. And so, um, you know, to be able to have those tools and resources out there, I think, I think it's really good. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Next article is we have a new youth theme for 2021. Which is good. We always get a new theme. It was just announced. Now, I really like this theme. I really, it's one of my favorite scriptures. really like this one, too. So the theme is a great work, and they're going off of Doctrine and Covenants 64, verse 33 and 34, which obviously we'll be studying Doctrine and Covenants yes. next year, so they're keeping with the you know, program let's, let's here. pick a theme and a scripture so, from what we're studying. That's right. So the quote is, Wherefore, be not weary in well-doing, for ye are laying the foundation of a great work, and out of small things proceedeth that which is great. Behold, the Lord requi- requireth the heart and a willing mind. Um, so I love it. So I love it. It's a great scripture. I think it's really great for this time when sometimes we're feeling a little bit weary of doing <laughs> Yes. Good works. Yes, we are. At least being at home trying to do good works in our families. Um, But, and I love, you know, talks about small things. They've got a very interesting logo because not only did they introduce the theme, but they've got a logo that's that's kind of a circle, which I think is perplexing. The logo looks like a thumbprint. It does look like a thumbprint. With some designs in it, like the inside of the thumbprint is a heart. And there's some other swirly designs going around. And it looks in there. like there's like maybe a brightness or a sun thing coming out of that. Right. And so when I first looked at it, I read the scripture again underneath because it says a great work. Yeah. And then it has this thumbprint and then the scripture is printed underneath. And I read it again because I was thinking, what are the ties? What Am are the I swirly things? Because there's also, it looks like a leaf, you know, kind of mm-hmm. like a leaf thing at the bottom. Yeah. And, you know, I, I am completely fascinated by this logo because. I'm sure that there, that, that that everything in there represents something, right. because the church just doesn't create a logo like this and go, oh, well, we like it; it's pretty. But I don't know what any of it represents, and I'm dying for somebody to give me an oh, explanation. I'm sure they'll explain it. Remember the last logo explanation? Oh, it was very detailed. That's true. <laughs> what was that logo explanation for? That was for? for the new. Oh, it was the new Tab Cats logo. Oh yes, and I did not like the Tab Cats logo. <laughs> so this one, I mean, it, there's, it's not like ugly. I just don't understand the tie-in. Yeah, I don't understand the tie-in too. I, I aesthetically. I, it's very interesting to look at. I feel like it would be a really good logo if it was some a scripture about being a child of God or being unique yeah. or being yeah. divine nature. I don't know. Yeah. So, so uh, listeners, if anybody runs across <laughs> anything that explains to us what the elements of the of the logo are for the youth theme for 2021. We're dying to know. Oh, maybe they'll have a like face to face on that. Oh, they could have a face to face. They probably will. It's probably coming. It, you're right. It's probably coming down and the pipeline. The article also said, you know, they'll 
have other supplemental materials that will be coming, including the music. That's always fun to oh, see. Oh, yes. In fact, didn't they say they were going to put it in the music app? In the music app. I that we talked about last month? Yes. I don't know if it's there yet, but once they get the theme for the, That's the song that goes with the theme, they'll put it in the music app. Okay. So... All right. Well, and speaking of youth, we have three new young women board members that were recently appointed. So, or I should say rather called to serve on the young women's general board. Um, the first one is a lady by the name of Ruth Todd. And anybody who has lived in the Utah area for any particular period of time would recognize her name because she was a newscaster for KSL for a number of years. In fact, I, I, I think maybe she even almost very early on in her career went right to KSL. Mm -hmm. And what's funny because I used to see her on KSL because when I lived in Utah, I always watched KSL, you know, she had the news anchor hair, you know, kind of the football helmet hair going on like the news anchors do. Well, in the picture that the church released of her for the young women's board, girlfriend has long hair. I mean, I was kind of messing with my mind. I'm like, are you kidding me? It was so weird to, you know, after seeing her with all these years with this professional news anchor hair to see that she had long hair. Yeah. Anyway, so since uh, leaving KSL, she has also served as the media team for the church public affairs, as well as the church spokeswoman uh, or spokesperson. And so, um, That's got to be a very thankless job. Anyway, she is currently a senior vice president of global public affairs for a health and wellness company. Ooh, I wonder which one. I have to say, when I see health, hear health and wellness company, you know what I think? Uh, MLM. MLM. (laughs) We have a plethora to choose from down there in Utah. So I have no idea. All right, let's move on to the next one. The next one is Yvonne Herbert. Uh, She is from... Alpine. She went to BYU and she majored in flute performance and ped, I don't know how this is pronounced. It's pedagogy. Anyway, I looked it up. It is the study of how to teach. Oh. Anyway. And then our last one is Jerry Calhoun. And what I thought was interesting about her is she is a CEO and principal in her own firm specializing in residential and commercial design. Now, we've got two of these three new board members who are working women and have some kind of, you know, significant connections to the community and jobs. And I like to see that on the Young Women's Board. I think Mm -hmm. that it should be diverse. I don't think that it should all be just, you know, stay-at-home moms. And I'm not slamming stay-at-home moms. I'm just saying I think that girls need to see a diversity of opinion. Yeah, I think that's good. Okay. All right. Next article is the Roots Tech Genealogy Conference will be moving to online only in 2021. And it will be free. Yeah. So you normally, I guess they do this. The church puts this on uh, through Family Search. Every they do, year and they do it at the Salt Palace in February. Yeah, which I had no idea that that's where they did it. So this oh, is like yeah. a huge big deal. Oh, it's 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 enormous when they do it at the Salt Palace, and I I think they've always had an option for you know maybe mm-hmm. online registration so you can see some of the stuff, but yeah, they bring in 
thousands of people for this Roots Tech. Right. So they're moving it online and making it free, which I thought was excellent because they're moving Education Week to online, but not making it free. Oh, I didn't realize they were charging for Education Week. It's like $50, which I mean, they've always charged for Education Week, but... Um, they're still charging. So I thought this was really interesting yes. that they're not going to charge their make it free. Um, they're viewing this as a chance to like expand this conference and make it global and make it accessible to a lot of people. Uh, so I think this will be really, really good. And I think they're smart to do this. I think this could be a really, really good opportunity for them to just reach so many more people than exactly. they ever would. Exactly. No, when I saw that, I was kind of excited. I thought, oh, you know what? I might actually log on and catch a couple sessions yeah. because I've been familiar with Roots Tech and they usually always try and bring in some really like one mm-hmm. or two really awesome keynote speakers, but I've never gone just because I'm like, oh, I don't want to be at the Salt Palace with a million other people right. and navigate trying to get into restaurants and, and hotels. And taking time off work. And taking time and off work. Exactly. So, yeah. that, that was not interesting to me in any way, <laughs> shape or form. But I do have to say logging in online and being able to participate and learn some of the stuff that is very intriguing. Yeah, I would do that too. So they said they'll have, you know, some things live streamed, yeah. some things pre-recorded, but they'll put it, even the live stream stuff available to watch for a certain period of time. Exactly. Later. So very cool. All right. The next one, this is an article that Jeff wrote for our This Week in Mormon site. And I didn't see, um, this wasn't, this wasn't uh, something that was released through the church newsroom. Uh, as he has talked about before, he's a clerk in his ward. <laughs> and as a clerk in his ward, they sent him, um, a little letter saying, here's some instructions to the clerk in the ward. Mm-hmm. And one of the instructions was that if you have children of divorced parents, um, you've had to leave the records in, you know, somebody somewhere has to decide right. which parents are these records. Who gets custody of the church records. Who gets custody of the church records. Exactly. Not only do you have to decide who gets custody of the kids. <laughs> You got to figure out the home ward. I know. It's you know what? Complicated. We should ask our cousin Jared. He's a divorce lawyer in Utah. Has he ever had to put that in a decree? <laughs> Has he had to put in a decree who gets custody of the church records oh, for I'm the kids? Sure, I hundred percent guarantee he has. I'm guessing he probably has. <laughs> well, that is that is no longer an issue. Although there will now be a primary parent or a primary ward, there can also be a secondary ward. And mm-hmm. so, what this means is, if if the if the children's records are in mom's ward and say there's a 50-50 custody and so the children spend half their time with mom and half their time with dad so half the time they're going to mom's ward and half the time they're going to dad's ward mm-hmm. they can put them they can link them as an out of unit member and when they link them as an out of unit member, then at that point in time, they can give them callings. They can integrate them into the ward like they would just any other member of the ward. And I think that's got to be so good for the youth. This is so great. Because there's, I can't imagine that there would be anything worse than every other weekend going to a ward where they're like, "Uh you're just visiting. Yeah. We're not going to take you seriously. Your records aren't here. This is a much needed change. I've been on the other side of leadership in in leadership meetings Uh where we've had this exact discussion. Oh, these kids are in our ward boundaries. We don't have their records. We don't know how to contact them Yeah, because maybe the parent that they're staying with on the weekend is less active. And 
How can we reach out to them? How can we invite them to mutual? We don't have their phone numbers. We don't know their birthdays, but we heard they're here. Yeah. (laughs) So this will be so good. It will be. And and yeah, because they can put them as an out of unit member Mm -hmm. and then it does, it gives them access to, you know, all of the telephone numbers and the contact information. So yeah, yeah, I think, I think that's a great thing. Yeah. Very good change. So, all right. Um, this next little release came out last couple of weeks ago. Um, the temple now will be doing their prayer rolls electronically, which again, another little COVID tweak. Yes. As we figure out how to make things work in this situation. True, true. So this one is actually really cool. And honestly, temple prayer roll was not something that crossed my mind. Uh-huh. I had just been thinking, oh gosh, it's been so long since we've been to the temple, yeah. but I didn't even like think about, oh, the prayer roll. How's yeah. that going to work if we can't put people's names in? Exactly. So they well, have moved it online. And I think beforehand, and again, mm-hmm. I've never done this, but I think you can like call the temple oh, and right. say, hey, can you add so-and-so to mm-hmm. the prayer roll? But with COVID, they're not staffing and having somebody answer those phones right. during business hours like mm-hmm. they used to do you know, prior to COVID. And so uh, that is, I think it's great that you can go online. So you can go to any temple's information page um, on when you get online and Uh search for your temple, you can get on whatever temple you want information page and click the prayer roll link and add your person. So not only now can you do it online, but you can pick which temple prayer roll they go on. Isn't that interesting? That is very interesting. Well, I suppose you kind of could in the past, because if you were calling, like, for example, the Meridian Temple, it would be on the Meridian Temple's prayer roll. I just never thought of, like, I never have thought of putting someone on a prayer roll outside of where I live. Yeah, but I've heard of people doing that. (laughs) I've heard of people, like, just dialing temples, add this person to your prayer roll. Oh, add this person to your prayer roll. Get them on, like, 50. Get get them on, doing the work. Cooking the books. They're cooking the books. They want lots of prayers. Okay. All right. I, well, now it's really easy to do that. You just go on your computer and click on all those links. Well, but you know, they are, they also talked about in the article that if you were in your LDS tools and you've logged on uh-huh. under your membership, it will automatically go to, to your temple. To your temple. So I guess like, for example, if you had, if you had somebody who lived in a different temple district mm-hmm. and you wanted them on the prayer roll in their temple district, then you would you get on, on the theirs and go f- click on it. Yes. But yeah, yeah, I suppose that makes it a lot easier to, you know, cook the books and right. add them on. Or if you believe saints are more faithful in a geographical location <laughs> and you want their <laughs> prayers <laughs> instead of the saints that happen to live in your geographical location. I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's somebody out there that feels that way. Okay. <laughs> Undoubtedly, there is, because if anything, COVID has proven to us that there is a myriad of opinions on every topic, whether those opinions are reasonable or not. (laughs) Oh, dear. Okay, that's kind of funny. All right. Well, in other other temple news, and this is a little bit more serious, 
Um, the president of the Birmingham, Alabama temple passed away in the last few days due to uh, COVID. Very, very sad. Yeah. I guess he was just kind of this big man and he had a kind of a, a, not so much a big personality because he's, he was quoted as saying, I'd rather be anonymous, but help build the kingdom. But to help build the kingdom, I'll do whatever it takes. Um, that's what he said when he was called as the stake president of the uh of a stake in mississippi of the uh i'm not even gonna try and pronounce the tupelo i think the tupelo mississippi stake anyway and as soon as he was released from being a a stake president they called him to be a mission president he had actually only been the temple president since last november and so um, obviously not getting to spend a ton of time in the temple yeah. before things were um, were shut down. But it did say um, he was a convert to the church. His first wife had passed away in 1997. He married his second wife in 1998 and that um, he had contracted COVID and that he was hospitalized in mid-July and went on a ventilator on July 19th. Um, he could only communicate with his family over FaceTime by nodding and shaking his head or blinking his eyes. They had done some procedures that they thought were going to improve his health, but it just kind of took a turn for the worse, and um, his family was able to be on FaceTime with him when he passed. And his wife, of course, um, which you would expect from a temple matron, mm-hmm. has a a great perspective. She said, I have no doubt he's happy. I knew if he couldn't work here, he wouldn't be happy. Uh, it's we who are left who are going to miss him. And uh, she also says, you know, I'm thoroughly hoping that the temple will reopen soon because I know that I'm going to feel closer to him there than anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's too bad. So, okay. <clears throat> Next little thing just to hit on. There's not really a big artic- article to go with it, but um, I did read a snippet on the Tribune. I think it was the Tribune. Yes, because they're the ones that have the Mormon Land podcast. Yes. This week on the Mormon Land podcast, they are interviewing Carolyn Pearson, famous LDS poet. Yes. Uh, big back in the 80s. Uh, back in the 70s and 80s. 70s and 80s. So she has written a new book uh, all about Heavenly Mother. And so she is on their Mormon Land podcast this week. I have not listened to it yet, but I will because... I like to soak up all information, Heavenly Mother. Oh, I just that. It's a topic that fascinates me. I, so, and rightfully so. I will have to put that on my on my list too. So, yeah, if you're interested in that, go check out the uh, Mormonland podcast this week, and I'm sure she'll talk more about her book there. Yes. All right. Shall we move on to our segment of Mormons behaving badly? Yes. I have two things this week for Mormons behaving badly. Okay. The first one is... Darn, we had a quiet spell for a while. We did have a quiet spell for a while. Uh, Absent, of course, the continuing saga of Lori Vallow. But we're not going to go into Lori Vallow this week. (laughs) Or this month, I should say. So um, you may recall back last December... A, uh, a man broke into the Logan Temple because, you know, it was there. So um, what he had done is he had used a ladder to climb over the building's exterior fences. He broke the glass door with an axe and gained entry into the temple. Once he was in there, he damaged paintings. He tore down curtains, used an axe to shatter a mirror. A fire extinguisher was also sprayed 
all over the furniture and floors. And, and I'm not sure that those details came out then. No. I recall all I hearing remember he is that broke he in. Broken in and damaged some but stuff. But not the extent of his damage. Yeah. So he has been ordered now to pay for those damages uh, as part of his sentence. Um, he previously had pled guilty to burglary and criminal mischief, both second degree felonies, and he was sentenced to probation for three years. So uh, didn't say what the amount of the restitution was, but he's got restitution. No, to pay. it did say. Oh, did it say? It said the damages themselves were up to like 15,000. Oh, the I church, must have missed that. The church is only making him pay, I think like 3,600. Oh. And he like thanked them for being so oh. nice to him. Like he was very, very grateful in his statement. Like, thank you so much. I'm going to pay this back as soon as pot. Like he was yeah. very grateful that <laughs> the church let go of like the actual cost of damages. So they settled. They settled. For less. Okay. They well, good. Hopefully- showed mercy which is appropriate. I think it's very appropriate. And <laughs> yeah. and hopefully whatever was going on in his life that caused him to engage in that behavior, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully he's getting back on track to get that, to, to, to not engage in that behavior. Yes. Now, I want to talk about the next Mormons behaving badly. Okay. <laughs> All right. As I'm sitting here going, hmm, we're tapping our fingers. There was, many of you are familiar with the NPR podcast called This American Life. Yes. They dropped a podcast on August 30th, and the title of the podcast is Long Awaited Asteroid Finally Hits Earth. And so when you read that, you think they must be talking about some space thing. No, they're talking about children beginning school in the age of COVID. Oh, that does feel like an asteroid. It kind of does. What an appropriate title. (laughs) Exactly. So in one of their segments, because when you do this American Life, they always have, you know, different acts. Mm -hmm. So one of their acts was done by a producer by the name of Mickey Meek. And um, she is, at least was raised LDS. I do not believe she is a member of the church anymore. Um, But uh, the title of her section was called Masked Crusaders, and she focuses on Utah County. Oh, boy. Hence the tie-in to Mormons behaving badly. So Governor Herbert in Utah issued an order that all school children must wear masks. Well, there were some, of course, some people in, in Utah, specifically in Utah County, who kind of disagreed with that. And so there was an, a Utah County commissioner by the name of Bill Lee, and he started to lobby against that mask mandate that came from Governor Herbert. And he invited parents to come to the next um, meeting of the county commissioners. Mm-hmm. So this meeting of the county commissioners is scheduled. Uh, as you can imagine, there are just like, I guess, over a hundred people there. Um, none of them are, most of them are not wearing masks. There were two teachers that came there, uh, a married couple. He's 33 and teaches at a high school. And I think he teaches photography and she's 26 and is going to teach English at a high school. And so they went there to speak in favor of the mask proposal. Mm-hmm. And so, um, they show up and, and first of all, it's really interesting. Um, one of the county commissioners is a gentleman by the name of, of Tanner Angie. And, uh, he walks into this meeting and there's 
people are packed into the room. Very few people are wearing masks. He said, Hey, this is against the health department guidelines. You know, we're this, we're not safe in here. And he says, um, we're not going to hold the meeting. And he says, I, I loved this quote. He said, this is not parks and this is not a parks and recreation episode. This is Utah <laughs> County government. So he leaves, but the other commissioners decide to take testimony. Mm-hmm. So of course the, the anti-maskers are up there pro- you know, saying all the reasons why they think they shouldn't wear masks, have to wear masks, and people are cheering them on. And so this, this little, this Brittany gets up, this, this woman who's 26 years old and says, Hey, I'm a teacher. This is why I think masks are a good thing. And they literally start booing her and they're chanting at her and they're heckling her while she's trying to make this statement. And her husband is trying to shush them. And it just was really interesting because you hear audio recording of the meeting. That's what I was going to say. Did they have? Oh yes, they had audio recording of the meeting. Oh my! And one of the things that the producer talks about is just you know these people all belong to the same religion. They are all, for the most part, members of the Church of Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. of Latter Day Saints, and the vitriol that they hold against each other over this silly mask debate, Mm -hmm. you know, and we have seen a similar, hence the Mormons behaving badly. Right. We have seen a similar thing in Idaho here with Ammon Bundy. We had a special session of our legislators and he and, and Ammon Bundy, if you're familiar with Idaho, he's a member of the church and creates all sorts of hate and discontent in our state. we don't know if he's currently attending. Woo. Sorry about that. Mic drop. Sorry. <laughs> we do, literal mic drop. Yes. <laughs> As we're discussing Yaman Bundy. He is a member of the church, although we don't know, necessarily know. We don't know what his current status is, yes. so to speak. So um, he and his band of cronies created all sorts of hate and discontent uh, here when we had a special session. And, and I have to say, uh, it, it makes me mad. You know, there is no reason why we cannot have a civil discussion. Mm-hmm. Why do we have to uh, 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 denigrate ourselves into screaming and yelling right. and other people's viewpoints are stupid and not having respect for somebody whose viewpoint differs from your own? In fact, in this American Life podcast, one of the things that the producer talks about is she references the statement by the church leaders, which supported Governor Herbert's mask right. mandate. Oh, and dear. you know, and 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 I just want to say, people, get it together. I realize some of you think that masks are stupid, and I realize other of you think that masks are are what's going to you know save us and save us out, you know, get us out of of the COVID situation that we're in. Whatever your viewpoint, all I ask is be respectful of somebody else's viewpoint. Don't be booing them. Don't be telling them they're stupid. Don't be, you know, rah, 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 me, dumb you. Right. Be respectful. Oh, man. And now we got called out on a national podcast. I know. We Mormons, the the misbehaving Mormons have now been called out on a national podcast. That's not great. (laughs) So yes, that's my soapbox for the week on Mormons behaving badly is differing viewpoints are acceptable, but be respectful people. (laughs) Oh dear. All right. Let's move on to a a topic that makes me a little less cranky. Uh, Our, um, our favorite things. Oh, our favorite things. Let's yes. share our favorite things for the month. Okay. Okay. I'm going to share one of mine um, that I don't think I shared before, even though this has been my favorite thing for a 
a while now. One of my favorite things. It is a hairbrush. Okay. Called the Bath Pack Hairbrush. Bath Pack. Bath Pack. I cannot explain to you why it is magical. There's some type of sorcery involved in this hairbrush. Okay. <laughs> but I have three girls. <laughs> I know my hairbrushes. <laughs> this is the hairbrush you want. Okay. So what is magical about this hairbrush? I don't know. It just comes through their hair better than any other brush. And so you're not dealing with tangles and yes. rats and screaming kids going, yes. ow, mom, you're hurting my and hair. I mean, there's still tangles. It gets them out better than any other brush I've used. I've tried the wet brush, which is popular hairbrush for long uh-huh. hair. I've tried lots of other brushes. It's just like a normal, it looks like your average yeah. hairbrush by like Goody yeah. or the wet brush, but it is different. It's smoother. It's better. It's superior. Also, it's very cheap. It's only $5 on Amazon. Oh, Or you can go to their website. Bath Pack has a website. Uh-huh. Um, I won't use any other brush now. Dang. See, my girls would have appreciated that when they were younger because they will both, they will all tell you horror stories about, mom, I was so mean when she combed out my hair. She didn't care if she hurt me or not. Because I always say to them, you have to suffer for beauty. (laughs) And I was pretty ruthless. And I admit it. All right. So my favorite thing um, is a new cooking tool that I used today. Um, since COVID has hit and I can't go out and do a lot of the things that I normally like to do or the things that I like to do, if I want to go out, require me to wear a mask and I don't particularly enjoy wearing a mask. So I stay home so I don't have to wear my mask. (laughs) So one of the things that I have been doing during COVID is I have been doing a lot of cooking and, um, and so I've mastered several different things. I, uh, I took the, um, Oh, the uh, Cheesecake Factory menu. And I went through and I picked out things on the Cheesecake Factory menu that I thought looked good and then found uh, duplicate recipes. Mm. So I've worked my way through the Cheesecake Factory menu. So now I decided I need to learn how to do fresh pasta. And so I started, you know, watching some YouTube videos, Mm -hmm. reading some stuff about how to make fresh pasta. And I decided, well, I need a pasta attachment. And so um, you can buy the hand cranked ones, but why would I want to do that when I have a KitchenAid that will, that will do it for me? And so there's a pasta attachments for your KitchenAid. And so I bought the pasta attachments and um, made some pasta dough and it was so easy. Oh, look at you. It was so easy. Now I haven't tried it yet because we're going to have it for dinner tomorrow night, but I've got my noodles all done and I'm super excited to see if I can kind of recreate that restaurant quality right. that you get when you have fresh pasta at a restaurant. Ooh, so fancy. So. Very nice. Okay. Well, I think that does it. I think that wraps it up for us. Twim Nation, thank you very much for joining us tonight. If you have any questions or concerns or comments, you can get in touch with us at uh, contact at thisweekinmormons.com. And uh, Jeff is right on that and will answer and uh, pass along any comments. Also, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And uh, if you're really feeling generous these days, go over to Patreon pledge a couple bucks a month to help us keep the lights on and keep putting out podcasts. That's right. Thanks so much for listening.